This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing pride, help, hunger, and our Patreon pay it forward to Denver's The Gathering Place. I want to start by simply defining pride. When I looked it up online, some of the simple definitions that I found were pride, a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. An example is the team was bursting with pride after recording a sensational victory. Similar words or similes to pride, pleasure, joy, delight, gratification, fulfillment, satisfaction, sense of achievement, comfort, contentment. Another definition of pride, consciousness of one's own dignity. This one really hit me. These simple words that pride defined as the consciousness of one's own dignity is really powerful. The example sentence right underneath is, he swallowed his pride and asked for help. I think that statement hit me more than the definition. He swallowed his pride and asked for help. Why is it that as a human tribe, that we must swallow our pride to be able to ask for help? We all know in our minds that none of us get through this life without help. I can poll people. They can admit to that. We talk about that with a great sense of ease. Of course, we all need help as human beings to get through. And yet, when we're faced with really needing help, we go through this process of needing to swallow our pride. At the end of this definition of pride that I was looking up, it simply said, opposite. And one word, shame. So the opposite of pride, the opposite of pleasure, of joy, of delight, of gratification, of fulfillment, of satisfaction, of comfort, of a sense of achievement, of contentment, is shame. I've chosen a local Denver charity for our Patreon Pay It Forward. And I've sat on it all year, not because I wanted to. If you're 
more of a new listener to the show, you might not have heard me talk about it before. You hear me invite you to Patreon to support us on the show. That's really how we get the show out. It does cost a lot to produce a high quality podcast, to take the time from everyone's business to be able to to do it and put this out there. So our Patreon supporters of the show, our Patreon producers, I really talk about you guys as the backbone because we really need you to be able to to do this work. When we started the Patreon, it was really important to me and to Chris that we started this with a pay it forward option. So from the beginning, we have given 10%. Now, I don't do that every single month. And we're still small and growing. So I, I've been liking to sit on it so that I can give a little nice chunk to some charities, to, to people, to places, to organizations that are doing good in the world. So that we have this, this circle of community and connection. Something that's very important to us as highly sensitive people and we can feel it that I do this show and send it out to you and those of you that have it in your hearts plus the disposable income, come onto our Patreon where we also have extra for you. And then we take that 10% and pay it forward. I've chosen The Gathering Place, a local organization here in Denver that does amazing work. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. But it's been a struggle for me this year as an empath especially to feel and see the pain going on in the world. Homelessness is up. Hunger is up. I'm not going to give you numbers because they're changing daily in every single city across the U.S. Two short-lived times in my life, I found myself sleeping in my car. I only had the possessions that I could carry with me. I had left everything behind, not once but twice in my life. And I did that as a choice. I made that choice. I chose to take myself and to leave, to escape situations that I felt like I would die or lose my life in. I felt myself losing myself. So to save myself, I made the choice to go, even when I had very, very little. As I've sat down to choose the next Patreon Pay It Forward, each time this year I have been overwhelmed to my core. I'm feeling it right now. Those of you who are empathic can probably feel that coming out of me. No less than six times this year, I've sat down to start looking online. Is it going to be a GoFundMe? Is it going to be organizations? What am I going to do? And each time just shutting down the amount of need is astronomical. And it reminds me not just of those times where I was sleeping in my car, but of after Katrina when I I could not get a job. I was 25. I didn't have help for my family and I could not get a job. It was a level of terror that I don't know how to put into words. When I look back at those times, to this day, I still have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings about my pride. How much the pride helped me to pull myself up in blue-collar rhetoric by the bootstraps. And how much the shame kept me from asking and receiving help. How much harder... It made me to dig myself out of the hole that I found myself in. And in truth, this is true for most of us, it's very rare that purely a life circumstance sends us into a hole. The holes that I've been in were a combination of life-throwing circumstance at me and me not having any iota of an idea of what kind of healthiness to bring to that. 
So I can look back and really understand how in my own story, even when I was trying very hard to dig myself out, I didn't necessarily know how to make choices and make decisions that helped me crawl out of that hole. And that's very sad to be struggling so hard, to be working very hard to dig our way out while we're digging the hole deeper. That's one of the pitfalls of not allowing help in. But that might be exactly the traumatic problem that we don't know how to let help in. Those of us who come from emotional, physical, mental neglect may also leave that situation with a certain sense of neglect that we think is right because it's all we've ever experienced. Not allowing enough help in becomes at some point its own form of neglect. I remember bristling in my early 20s when a therapist wanted me to go to a woman's shelter. That was not me. That was not my idea of me. When she made that suggestion, I can remember sitting in this chair on this microphone with you right now, my body becoming washed in shame. I heard every judgment I had ever heard my dysfunctional family make about people who were in need. I heard it. I felt it. If I had to go to that shelter, those judgments would haunt me because I had been taught and I heard it in my head. I felt it in the cells of my body. As a self-judgment, that would mean I was just too lazy to figure this out. I was just too stupid to figure this out. I was too good for nothing. And just wanting a handout when it was supposed to be my job to pull myself up. I think it's really important to look at that. That the shaming that goes on in certain family systems holds such power that I was more willing to be in danger, willing to go it completely alone, to go hungry, crying myself to sleep in the car, trying to stay hidden so that no one would bother or harass me or tell me to move on. I remember sitting on the floor of my car just trying to disappear one night. I remember considering the practicality of what would happen if I lost the car too. The conversations with self that we have when we are so desperate are so vulnerable and horrifying. And when I walk past the homeless in my neighborhood, that's what I tend to feel is that sense of desperateness covered up with addiction, covered up with denial, covered up with trying to look tough to survive the streets. But I remember that conversation with myself. And if my extended family members heard this, they'd be very upset and angry. Even to this day, 20-something years later, because they would say, you could have come to any of us. And that's not untrue. There were people that would have let me into their home. I couldn't handle any more shame. That is the power of shame, that it so erodes our self-worth that we can be willing to face almost anything. I remember sitting in that car and thinking, do I need to steady myself? Do I just need to wrap my head around? If I'm going to be homeless, I'm going to be assaulted. I was terrified to face 
that I had been raised to go to college. I had been raised with a certain you are above other people. Having a professional therapist tell me I needed to go to a homeless shelter for battered women terrified me. It held up a very strong mirror that I did not want to look in because I did need help. I needed stability. I needed a safe place to land. I needed some help getting some basic needs met. As I say this to you, I have mixed feelings that I never did go to that shelter. A friend insisted that I come stay with her. And in the moment, of course, that felt better than going to the shelter. But when I look back, I do have mixed feelings about that. She saved me in a sense. But that kind of saving didn't make me work through my own blocks of pride and shame. Those stayed. This dynamic is so strong and so much a part of programming that I'm still working through it more than 20 years later. The first six months that I had a part-time assistant, you've heard me mention Kat, I felt ashamed in my body and felt my mind finding old stories from old voices, voices that I hadn't heard in decades, because the programming of shame seems to act like a computer. We can think that we deleted a file or a search history, but if you've ever watched a true crime documentary, then you know that it's not as simple as just deleting a file. It's there somewhere. The right investigator on a case can find that information on a computer. And life has a way of finding and drawing out this old file, this old program. And it feels awful. But it's the universe helping us to clear it. Because we can't clear it until we go through it and face it and get to the other side of it. And then it's clear. This shaming dynamic that blocks the ability to find and receive, allow help goes so deeply that I felt it even when I was paying an assistant for a service. That first six months, I had to keep communicating to Kat that this was a big struggle for me. And I've had to have similar conversations with Chris over the years. So Kat and Chris have reminded me at my request to help me move through this and let it go. That it's okay for me to receive help. It's okay for me to have support because I didn't have those muscles. Kat would send me messages. I'm here to help and I would love to take something off your plate. That makes me happy. (laughs) And I know that that was right in my mind. But my body has taken about a year and a half to no longer feel guilty and shameful about receiving and paying for help. That's how far the deservedness wound goes when we live years and years and decades without appropriate help, without unconditional love, with a scarcity model, fear and shame abounding. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you, and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science podcast. 
Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. The way that I got through my younger years was through the restaurant and bar industry. It has taken me aback to walk my neighborhood and see how many restaurants are closing down. It's not just a massive industry where we like to go out and eat because we don't want to cook. It's the industry that supports many, many lives of people over the course of a lifetime. That's their career. It's also a major part of people who don't have college funds making it through betterment, whatever that means for them, getting through a massage therapy program, finishing a degree, finishing an unpaid internship. Those restaurant and bar shifts help people work around school, around internships. So it's a huge part of the lower to middle class pulling themselves up, finding something different and better, starting their own businesses. It's an industry that allowed me to save myself and change my life. I've had to actively sit with myself and release the pain and fear that I feel in my own inner younger self seeing this going down. My own young woman in there inside of me feeling triggered and deeply empathetic to the restaurant industry and its fallout. I don't know how we will ever truly know the impact. It's a scary time. It's a time when pride and shame can so lock down on someone that we can't think clearly about how to get our needs met and then do the actions and find the energy of putting one foot in front of the other to be able to get those needs met. I don't live my life with a lot of regret as a principle. I learn from all the things and that helps me release and let go of some of the massive mistakes I've made in my life and the teeny tiny ones. But I do look back on this part of my life with some regret that I made my struggle harder on myself by trying to do it all myself for so long, for letting pride get in the way of me going to that shelter because it was exactly where I was in life. It was exactly what I needed. And I was no different than the other women that were there. In doing intentional work, to release more of this from my system, from my body, from my heart. I've let my inner adolescent, my inner younger woman know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I didn't know that people would help me without making me feel ashamed. I didn't know that I could learn how to receive help and not make myself feel ashamed. It humanizes all of us to realize we're not really doing anything on this planet in isolation. We truly do need each other. Life is long and life is hard. And it's not a handout. It's a step up. And we do need to offer that to each other at times. And we need to practice receiving it. I've chosen the gathering place here in Denver. It's an amazing organization. In 2018, this was their impact. 
They visited 7,072 people 50,818 times. That's their outreach. They brought 60,222 meals to serve 4,322 people. They distributed 43,000 pounds of food in one year, 2,117 toiletry bags, and 17,670 diapers were distributed. In 2018, 438 members of the Gathering Place studied in their adult education program. Four students earned a high school equivalency, what most of us know as a GED. 321 members participated in their job readiness program, where they help with resumes and interview skills. 106 counseling sessions happened that year. 707 medical screenings and a health fair were provided on site. In 2018, volunteers donated 17,000 hours to help operate their programs and their services. Because of the listeners, I'm not even going to try to pretend not to cry while I'm doing this. It hasn't been choked up. Because of you, the listeners, who have joined our Patreon, this is the biggest pay-it-forward donation that we have ever done. But today, I was able to donate to the gathering place $1,096. This is a healthy pride that I'm feeling, and I hope you're feeling too, all of you who are on the Patreon. We made this happen together. That is a healthy pride. Not that dysfunctional old pride that kept me away from help all those years ago. I implore you or sharing this episode if you know someone who is struggling this year because of the pandemic, because of restaurants closing and struggling, and all the other industries that have been affected that I didn't mention in this episode. I implore you if you're struggling in any way or know someone who is, to hear and learn from my regret if you so choose. I made my own life harder by not understanding that I came from a shaming dynamic and that there were real people out there in the world, the true helpers like Mr. Rogers tells us to look for at times of crisis, who won't shame, who are willing and ready to help us get a leg up, to climb out of whatever hole that we found ourselves in. We need more help in this life than we seem to want to admit as a human species. Please proactively take care of yourselves and each other. If you're here in Denver and you're struggling, please reach out to The Gathering Place if you need help or find resources in your city. Keep asking for help until you find it, until you get it. You matter. Your worth is not based on your stability level. Your worth is inherent. That means you are worthy simply because you exist, simply because you were born and you're here. You are not less than worthy if you are depressed. You are not less than worthy if you are addicted. You are not less than worthy of stability because circumstances beyond your control have rained down in the form of a pandemic. You are not less worthy because we have a government that is not taking financial care of its people while mandating the loss of incomes. It is available to you to find and grow courage, to push against your own resistance, to receive help. 
That resistance is only a pattern of what you were taught. It's a pattern of lack. It's a pattern of not enough. It's a pattern of being alone and feeling alone. There are billions of people on the planet. We're not alone. Sometimes we just face disconnecting from some so that we have the space to connect to others that can hold us, that can provide a safe place to fall. My favorite things about the gathering place and why I chose it is because it gives such practical help to homeless women, trans, and children. They have four shower stalls so that you can go and get clean. They have a nap room with six beds so that you can shower and have a truly safe place to grab a nap and a meal. They have laundry facilities for free with free soap. We need practical solutions in this time and we need to give and we need to receive. We can do that to honor each other and we can do that to honor ourselves. If you are in struggle right now, I bet there are times in your history when you have stood up to help others. Consider giving yourself the permission that it takes to allow yourself to be helped now, if and when you need it. We break those old patterns of lack by aligning with the help that is out there and available. I want to thank everyone who's listening to the show right now, who's holding space for my emotion, my vulnerability. Highly sensitive people out there, I know that you have felt a lot of this too, even if you don't have this type of struggle in your history. In an upcoming episode, I'm going to discuss more about how we can learn to be empathetic without carrying the load. Because if we carry the load, if we carry the weight, we're going to feel weighted down and exhausted. It's infinitely harder if we're carrying the load to do the good work that we feel called to do for ourselves and for each other. It's a skill that counselors develop to be able to feel empathetic without carrying the load. And you can learn it too. I hope to have someone from the gathering place to interview. I've reached out to them so that we can hear right from someone from their organization more about what they do to serve our Denver community. I want to end this episode thanking these Patreon producers of the show that made this donation happen. I want to thank Vari, Rebecca, Angela, Dee, Julia, Amber, Carolyn, Regina, Elea, Keisha, Paige, Karina, Michelle, Alex, Heather, Devin, Shannon, Paul, Luis, thank you for giving us permission for full name. Ethan Morley, another full namer. Alyssa H., thank you so much. Heather, I want to thank Deanna R. from You, Me, Empathy. I'll be on their podcast soon. Thank you so much for supporting Emotional Badass. I want to thank Edward, Andrea, Ruth, Stefania, Alexandra, and Hillary. Thank you so much for supporting me and supporting our Patreon Pay It Forward. We are powerful as individuals, and my goodness, look what we can do when we come together. I'm sending out a big dose of peace. My hands on my heart, I'm sending it out to you right now. To find the gathering place, 
and donate yourselves or to find one of their Amazon fulfillment lists. I know they are in need of formula and V8 and couple other essentials like that. So if you want to go on and not give money, but give stuff that's available for you too, you can find them on Facebook or you can find them at their website. It's the gathering place. So tgpdenver.org. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. The gathering place is definitely full of emotional badasses. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful light and love. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.